turning to the Old Testament and to the book of Jeremiah, just after the prophecy of Isaiah, you have Jeremiah and the chapter 1. Take your time and get your place. We're going to read the first 10 verses of Jeremiah chapter 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Then, then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and set thee apart, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations, over the kingdoms. Now watch this order. To root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. And we know that the Lord will bless to us the reading of his precious word. I'm going to set before you this morning and the next two Lord's Day mornings, God willing, three essential things that are obligatory, mandatory, essential for any success of blessing in this new church year here in the hill, the river, and in the valley. 
In fact, without these three things, we will not succeed or progress to any measure. This new church year will end in stalemate. It will end in barrenness and in failure if we don't implement fully these three things. And I'm not speaking about prayer. These three things are found how important, of course, prayer is. But these three things are found in the life of the ministry of young Jeremiah the prophet. And the same needs to be manifested in every individual, collectively and personally, individually in the church. The first one, and the one we're dealing with this morning, is a sense of unworthiness. Unworthiness. None of us are worthy for this task that is before us. And we're taking the verse, this verse here, verse in, 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 in the Word of God, we're taking this verse 6. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Here we have from the prophet a protestation of the highest order, showing his deepest inefficiency and inability to do what God has asked him to do. He is simply saying, I am not fit and I am not capable and I am not able. He's remonstrating with God. Now this has been the voice and the reaction of so many of the great saints and servants of God who have been used of God. Paul says, who is sufficient for these things? I am less than the least of all the saints. Moses, when he was commanded to go on the missionary task for God, said that he was not elegant and slow of speech. He said, Aaron, I can't go. Isaiah, when he saw the majesty of God, fell at his feet and cried that awesome cry, I am undone, I am not able, I am no use, I can't do it. John the Baptist fell at the Master's feet and says, whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. And Jeremiah is on the same vein here with this ministry that's going to last for 30 years. He says, I cannot indeed, I cannot, Lord, I cannot. I can't express that ah in that verse enough. For I am a child. You know, he was between 17 and 20 years of age. The majority of times that God calls servants to his work are usually 30 and sometimes 40. Now, there is is exceptions, Samuel, Isaiah, Timothy, Daniel. David. But here we have this servant of God, maybe 18 or 19 years of age. I can't do it. And you're going to see in a moment where God says, don't say that. Don't say that. 
Now I want you to look at verse 14. Verse, verse 4, sorry. I want you to look at verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying. Now I want to make a powerful point here this morning. This boy was raised in a very, very godly home, in a priestly family. His father was the, Hilkiah was the high priest. Josiah, the revivalist whom he was contemporary with, was his uncle. Shalom, the husband, was the, sh- was the husband of Huldah, the prophetess, his uncle. And he sucked and he steeped, as we would say, he steeped in the law of Moses and the Torah and the sacrifices. He lived in Anathoth three miles. He could see the temple from the hill where he lived. He was surrounded with the religious things of the day, just like many of you this morning. And like Timothy, he knew the scriptures from he was a child. But good and all that that is, my friend, the word had to come to him. And I can hear somebody saying this morning, maybe some young person saying this morning, the word of the Lord has never come to me. Indeed it has. It has a thousand times maybe about you. But you cared not to hear it and you cared not to act on it. And if you say to me this morning, the word of the Lord never come to me like it came to Jeremiah and came to the other, but I can tell you that it has. And if, if you say it hasn't come to you, I tell you it's coming to you this morning. Repent ye therefore. And be converted. That your sins may be blotted out. It's coming to you this morning. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you. There's the word of God to you this morning. Don't say you didn't hear it. It's going to come to you. The master has come. And calleth for thee. Now what was this word of the Lord that came unto this young man that drew from him this awesome exclamation of hopelessness and dismay and unworthiness? Well, you have it in first in verse five. God says, Before I formed thee in the mother's womb, I knew you. Now that word formed there is the word creation. It's the same word used in Genesis 2 and verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust and breathed upon him. It's the same word used in Genesis 2 and verse 8. He put man that he formed into Eden. It's the workmanship of God. And that's what he's saying to this man. I have created thee. It's the same word used in Romans when Paul says, will the potter say to the thing that formed it, what doest thou? Or Psalm 49, he formed the eye, will he not see? He planted the ear, does he not hear? He's telling this man, I formed thee, I created thee in the mother's womb. And I'll tell you, the abortionists would need to take heed to that for they're going into judgment big time. 
That was part of the reason that he was so unworthy to think. God had formed him and created him. And he was God from beginning to end. How can he fight against it? But then he goes on and he says, he says, I formed thee in the belly. I knew thee. So you have also here, you have predestination. I knew you before you came forth from the womb. I tell you, that's mind-boggling. Before the worlds were formed, or earth received its frame, God knew you and me. Everything about us. Where we would live, where we would die, how we would die, who we would marry. But not only did he, does he know us, friend, he loves us with an everlasting love. Because he not only foreknew, he foretells. He can go as far back to eternity past and he can go as far forward as eternity forward. Do you hear that now? Would you like to argue with him? Have you any right to stamp your feet and say, I'm not going or doing or obeying what you tell me to do? Psalm 39, the psalmist says, such knowledge is so wonderful, it is so high, I cannot attain unto it. That you know every jot and every tittle, and my thoughts are far off. Before the thoughts come to me, he knows them. You don't know what the next thought will be, he knows it. And you're saying to him this morning, I'm not given to any work of any school. Oh, formation, predestination, the sanctification. He says, I have sanctified thee. I have set thee apart. And that's what that word means. 130 times it's in the word of God. And that's what it means. There's a young believer. I don't think there was any doctrine that puzzled me more than sanctification. I was saved through Methodist circles and God bless them. But I was confused. Because in those days, not so much now, in those days there were those who preached about sinless perfection. You'll never attain to it, my dear friend. Never will you. And don't try it. It'll drive you mad. We, we were told that we can come to a place in our life where we will be sinless and we will never sin. That's a lie. For the very thought of foolishness is sin. Every believer that's born again by the Spirit of God is sanctified and set apart for God, for a work, for He has gifted you. Not the preacher, not the missionary, not the prophet. You, the housewife, the farmer. You that are saved this morning. The baker, the butcher, saved this morning. You're set apart. God has a work for you to do. Whether you're a doctor, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a lorry driver, 
You're all involved in the extension of the kingdom of God. And if you're here for such a time as this, as this man was up on Anathoth for such a time as this, then God has a work for you to do. It's a mighty privilege to be saved and set apart and gifted in whatever way as a child of God. Do you know that it's one of the few doctrines that have the full backing in Scripture of the Holy Ghost? What do you mean by that? Well, read the first of a number of things. Sanctification is through God the Father in Jude 1, set apart by God. By Christ Jesus in 1 Corinthians 1, by the Holy Spirit in 1 Peter 1. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is all involved with you this morning. Marvelous. These doctrines should humble us, should break us. These doctrines should say, Lord, I am, who am I? And then he goes on to ordination. He says, I have sanctified thee and I have ordained thee as a prophet unto the nation. One of the words that the Lord gave me when he called me out of my past employment was, you have not chosen me. Indeed, I didn't. But I have chosen you and ordained you. I don't need to be ordained be a bishop or an elder. I didn't have anybody laying empty hands on my empty head. God ordained me. God sent me forth. He says, I'm going to send you forth that you will bear fruit and your fruit will remain. Glory to God. Most of it has remained. And then he says, Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, I will give it to you. Let's recap before we go down to the finish. Let's recap on what this man's saying. Oh Lord God, when I consider, when I consider that you created me, that you sanctified me, that you predestinated me away before time began, that you've redeemed me, that you have ordained me. Lord, how can I? Who am I? Boy, whenever we get there, my friend, you know, the only, re the only reason we can get there is when we saturate ourselves in these great truths. Because the more we saturate ourselves in these great doctrines of God, the more humble and lowly we should become. And the problem with so many of God's people are so haughty, they're so proud, they're so rebellious that these truths don't, don't, don't grip them in the way that it should. Then the Lord came back to him. Look at what the Lord said to him. But the Lord, in verse 7, But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. Now what he's saying to him is, stop it. Stop it. I'll, I'll, I'm taking on board what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. But that's you talking. 
I have a will for your life, Jeremiah. Nothing to do with you. It's your business to obey. This is my will. This is my plan for your life. And there's no plan B. You hear that now? There's no plan B in God's will. And if you miss it, if you miss it, you can't retrace it. And to this end, I would say this morning, there's a challenge gone out. Don't miss it. Not for our sake, but for God's sake and for your sake. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, we rhyme it off, we will never be able to walk in the light that he walks in. No more that we can live in the light, live standing up beside the sun, which is 93 million miles away, and would burn us up if it moved a wee bit. We can't walk in the light as he is in the light, but we can walk in the rays of the sun. And that's what he wants us to do. Walk in his light. The light that he gives us. This light, there's no plan B. He says, here's the work, here's the job that I want you to do. You're to root out. You're to pull down. You're to destroy. You're to build and you're to plant. And all that has to be done here at this corner. Don't be making excuses about your youth now. Stop it. Don't be making excuses about your ability. Don't be making excuses of what people would think or what people would say. I'm too young, I'm too old, I can't do it. God said to him here, he says, listen, verse 8, be not afraid of their faces. Don't you fear men, for the fear of men bringeth a snare. I tell you, we'd have feared men here. We wouldn't be here now. Hear that? Whenever we stepped out here to buy this corner, which 35 years ago was 85,000 pounds, was a lot of money 35 years ago. We hadn't a penny, but we had God's word, and we have God's word this morning. God's word this morning. Don't make excuses. Be not afraid of the faces. Now, I have been doing my homework. In this assembly of people, members and non-members, and those that come here, and everybody's welcome. God bless you all. In this assembly, we have all that we need to finish this task and to commence and to finish that task. We have laborers. We have electricians. We have plumbers. We have architects, we have builders, we have joiners, 
with school teachers, with accountants, with nurses. And that's only some. And why? Why has God brought all these people together only for such a time as this? That's the only answer to it. Why has he taken you from where you were before COVID? Where has he taken you and many that are not here this morning that are not back from Hulda's and not back to school? Many. This place is going to be filled. This place is going to be filled. This place over there is going to be filled. Where there's no vision that people perish, that means vision cannot be taught. It has to be caught. This is another phase of the work of God here. And you should be so privileged to be part of it. The Lord touched the mouth of Jeremiah. He touched the lips of Isaiah. He touched the thigh of Jacob. He touched the eyes of the blind. Will he touch your heart? Will he touch your heart? For this great work to open our mouths, to open our hands, open our bank books for the dumb, for the wee children. The last thing to go in surrendered life, the last thing to be sacrificed in the surrendered life is the wallet. Ho, ho. We'll pray, we'll sing, we'll sing. Remember, it's not what you give, it's what you have left when you give. Forward is the watchword. In the hill, the river, and the valley for, two th- for the 35th year. Let it ring through heaven this morning that we covenant with God this morning. Forward, tis Jehovah's will. Let it ring through the caverns of hell this morning that we are not going to let the devil take our children. Forward, onward, upward, heavenward, hallelujah to victory. There's no turning back. Ah, the soldier had all the armor. He had the helmet. He had the shield. He he had the breastplate. He had the girdle. He had the shoes. He he had everything on him. He had the sword. There was no armor for the back. The back was bare. No turning back. We're not going back now. We're going on. We're going on to see something more accomplished here that will make the ears of those around us tingle. And it will draw children in 
unto the sound of the gospel and to teaching that they need to hear in these days. I believe it. These men believe it. You believe it. And if you don't, and you're full of unbelief, then you'll not get the blessing. My heart is full this morning. And I end with this. There was an old judge in Worcester 200 years ago in England, and he used to come round the circuits. <laughs> he used to come round the circuits, and he came to Worcester one very hot day. He'd come there every year to talk to the men. And he came round this very hot day, and he gathered all the men round him, and here's what he said. He says, men very hot. Now I'm very tired. I feel like that. It's very hot at times. And I'm very tired and I'm very weary. He says, but you know what to do. I'm not saying anything to you today. You know what to do. Get on with it. You know what to do. Get on with it. For the kingdom of God.